All right, if you have your Bibles this morning, we'll be in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4 while you pray for us. Let's place this on our heart. For several days, several days, I had a few other places that I was have been studying and reading, and uh, this just keeps coming back over and over again. And then after Brother Shane uh, gave his devotion this morning, I feel beyond a shadow of a doubt this is what the Lord would have us to do. And so we appreciate uh, the Lord giving us clarity and uh, understanding. Thank God. Uh, for that. All right, if you will, one more time, let's stand and stretch our legs. We'll be in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. I'm going to read verses number 11 through 18, and you can be seated. Chapter number 4, verses uh, number 11 of 2 Corinthians, the Bible reads, For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many rebound to the glory of God. Take notice here with me with these last three verses of Scripture. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed Day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Brother Marvin Titlow, if you will, take us to the throne of grace and ask the blessing on the preaching hour, please. Amen. All right. Appreciate that. You can be seated. Verse number 16 is where I want to start at, Lord being our helper. And we'll do our best not to be long this morning, okay? Verse number 16 says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Now, I want to call your attention uh, to verse number 17. The Bible says, for our light affliction. Now, uh, there's no doubt, and we, we're not going to camp out here, but understanding that we do have issues, trials of life, problems, things that come up that are burdensome, that are trial. I want you to notice that Paul, when he writes to the church of Corinth here, 
he uses this word for our light affliction. And uh, it, it always amazes me when you go back and you look at these words that almost seem contrary to uh, actuality, contrary to, to what we actually feel and deal with in our everyday life. I'm certain that there's people in the sound of my voice, people that will listen to this message uh, on the radio or somewhere that's going to listen to this and go, well, my afflictions don't seem light. My afflictions seem very heavy to me. And I want you to, to notice the, the one that penned this, uh, this uh, epistle to the church at Corinth, that of being Paul. And everything that Paul went through and the struggles and the trials that we see in his life, we know Paul is notor has notoriety for being a preacher among preachers, one that uh, never quit, how, you know, he never kept back anything. He finished his course with joy. He fought the good fight, and we know him to be that of a faithful preacher, a faithful Christian, uh, a, a faithful follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he also was a man that had thorns in the flesh, a man that had problems, a man that had struggles, a man that uh, people come at him from the left and from the right. Uh, and he was beaten with many stripes. He was shipwrecked. Uh, he had all kinds of trouble. But he wrote to the church of Corinth and he said, for our light affliction. Is it not interesting that when he talks about affliction, when he talks about problems of mankind, he uses this word light. And I thought, man, how, how strange is that? We see the word light and, and then we go on down here and he says, which is but for a moment. Has it never felt like your, your affliction that we see is so heavy seems to almost be eternal? I mean, agonizing to the point where you seem to can't, you can't get any relief from it and you feel as if it's never going to end. But Paul, I imagine when he was getting beaten by the shame, every strike that they laid on him, for every moment that he stayed in that cold, dark, wet jail, for every toss of the ship as the ship was breaking up, felt like what he was involved in at that time in his life was eternal. And I don't know about you, but it almost seems like the good things go by so fast. You know, we shot out of here the other day. It took a little miniature small trip for the kids. And before you knew it, Brother Gene, we were right back. And they got back to work, got back in the routine, got things going again, and it just seemed like it was but for a moment. But the problems and the struggles and the trials and the issues of life just seemed to go and keep on going. And it, I don't know why it is, but they seem to be so much longer than the good things of life. Or at least from a carnal standpoint, what we would consider the good things of life. So I want to just look at this, for instance, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment. So looking at this from our perspective, our troubles don't seem light. And they sure don't seem for a moment. But Paul, Paul says, worketh for us. Now I do want to say this this morning. What we're going through is working for us should we stay faithful for the cause of Christ in the midst of it. This is where a lot of affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Now we see our light affliction, which is but for a moment, almost in the eyes of eternity. But we're actually missing what eternity really is. Alright? And so it says, uh, we see the, the word light contrasts with that of weight. See, our light affliction worketh for us, uh, but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. 
Now you got things that are light and you got things that are heavy. So we see the word light contrasted with that of, of, uh, of weight. And Paul is wanting them to measure this thing out. When we start dealing with weight, light and heavy and talking about weight, we're, we're dealing with that of measurements. In order for me to say something is heavy or say something is light, I have to measure within myself that item that I'm lifting to determine whether it's heavy or light. There's a, there's a form of measurement, a standard of measurement somewhere. And Paul is using this standard of measurement. Now, we have to measure by standard. And so when we measure by standard, we have to look at what that standard is. And he's talking about eternity here. And I'm afraid that what happens is when we measure our affliction and when we measure uh, the, the, uh, what we see as a lengthy issue, we do not measure it by eternal things. And we do not measure it by the goodness of an almighty God. And so we should look at how we measure these things. Paul's making some measurements here. And for him to be thinking that the afflictions of mankind are light, and they're there, but for a moment, undoubtedly, Brother Shane, his standard of measurement is different than the standard of measurement that most of us measure by. So how is it that a man can stay faithful? Uh, it, it's because what he's what his standard of measurement is by. I fear that if if we would would get our standard of measurement from the same place that Paul gets his. I don't think we would have near the, the, the falling out of the way that we see in the Christian life today. All right. And so, um, so here's what, I, here's what I want to get to here. <coughs> Verse number uh, 16 says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed Day by day. Our outward man no doubt is dying. Every day that I live. I'm a day closer. To eternity. I'm a day closer. Uh, to, to, to heaven. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a day. More removed from this earth. Alright and so I want to say this. There's a. A child when that child is born. Uh, brother, brother Shane. It grows until it reaches a peak. Then it's like the body starts to slow down till it reaches the bottom again. But from the day that I was born on this earth until now, I've been a day closer each day to eternity. And you and I understanding that, that we're going to die, we're actually dying now day by day. And I, I have uh, been blessed to live the length of time that I have been given and I don't know when my last breath will be, but I do know that each moment, each passing day, I'm closer than I was before to that of eternity. All right? And so, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish. No doubt, Paul, his measurement is that of the Word of God. And he understands that death is imminent and it's coming. But he does say this, the inward man is renewed day by day. I cannot rejuvenate. I cannot revive my body. I may—I mean, I can make it as healthy as it can be, but it still has limitations. Nothing I can do can extend 
my days past the final day. Now, I can shorten my days, but I cannot lengthen my days forever. I, I will eventually succumb to death. Though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Can I say this? You can't erase the miles that's on your body. You know, you take a car, you buy that car, it thinks brand new, you get in it, you drive it off the lot, and you put 100,000 miles on it, Brother Gene, you can't erase the miles. And can I say the miles take a toll on the vehicle? And so we try to minimize the mileage on our vehicle, make our vehicle last, and our bodies is that way. There's a lot of miles that we put on our bodies. Some have less miles than others. Some have more miles than others. But the fact of the matter is, no matter the miles, you can't erase the miles. But I'm thankful that though our outward man perish, our inward man is renewed day by day. Do you know what that means? We can make different choices tomorrow than we made today. I can't help the miles that I put on this old body in the past, but the miles that I put it on in the future, it's within my ability to determine how those miles are placed on that body. And so our, our, our inward man, we can't do anything about our outward man, but I thank God that my inward man has the ability to be rejuvenated and be revived and strengthened. And although we do allow ourselves to get to a place sometimes where we get down and out in the mully grubs, I'm thankful we can go to the Word of God. We can take our standard of measurement by the Word of God, and we can be realigned and rejuvenated. And I appreciate that. So as we consider the outward man perishing and the inward man being renewed, understanding that we cannot erase the miles, then my question to you is, what are we going to do with the miles that lie ahead. All right, and we need to consider that. Now we understand that time. Uh, we're, we're, we we talk about time. We've preached on time in the recent past and uh, process of time and all these things. But we need to understand that time is relative to priority, and priority is relative to that of time. And so let's look here in verse number eighteen. It says, "While we look not." Now, our outward man perish, our inward man is renewed day by day. Uh, Paul says, for our night affliction, which working but for a moment, working for us far more sitting in eternal way of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. What's he doing? He's looking at it from another perspective than the way that you and I usually and carnally and naturally want to look at things and view them. So it's interesting in verse number 17 when he says light affliction and but for a moment and far more exceeding and eternal weight, he rolls right into this matter of measurement. He says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. You know what we do a lot of times? We focus on what can be seen naturally and carnally and fail to look at things from an eternal standpoint. And I'm persuaded that one thing Paul had down as a born again believer was that of looking at things through the eyes of the Lord. And you know how we look at things through the eyes of the Lord, us being not like him, his ways being above our ways and his ways being higher than our ways. It's through the word of God. And I think that we can go to the word of God and we can measure 
our life by a different standard. He says, why we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, or the things which are seen are temporal. But the things which are not seen are eternal. I don't know about you, but have you ever noticed that the older that you get, the way that you view things is a little different than the way that you viewed them before? As you mature in body, maybe not mentally or intellectually, but just maturing in body, at a certain point you have to stop and, and look at things from a little bit different perspective. When someone's 15, 16, 17 years old, they feel, even though it's not necessarily uh, guaranteed, uh, they feel like the, uh, the the percentage or the chance is higher that they've got a whole lot more life to live than they've walked past. But as we reach uh, that, that you know older, mature stage in life, the more mature we get physically, the more we begin to realize that time's not on our side. And it changes our viewpoint and our perspective. That's why uh, in the Word of God that people, uh, the Word of God tells young people and to respect your elders, to consider the hoary head. You know why? Because that hair come at a price. That white hair or no hair come at a cost. And there's some, there's some things that can be gleaned and learned from and you get to gather a perspective that you don't have naturally at that moment in time. But I, I began to think about this. He says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. The things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So I would say that most of us are not looking at things from an eternal perspective. But we ought to be looking at things which are not seen. Now, when you're looking at something that you can't see, you strain to see it. Now, I can take my glasses off, and to be honest with you, I know where everybody's sitting at in the church, and I know you by name, but I can't see your face. And that's why a lot of times if I'm getting some ugly looks while I'm preaching, I just take my glasses off and keep on preaching. All right, because I don't have to worry about what it is that I'm looking at. What I'm saying is, oh, I can't, I can't really make your face out, but I can put my glasses on and see. I'm not straining right now to see you, but if I take my glasses off and I focus and try to focus uh, on seeing your face, then I strain. And so, what's happening here says, while we look not to things which are seen, it doesn't take much strenuous activity, brother Shane. To look around and just see things like they are in our carnal way of thinking. But it takes some effort to try to look at things from an eternal perspective. And it won't happen by accident. We have to purpose to do it. Alright, so while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal. What we're seeing without straining is temporary. But what we're seeing when we strain to see the things which we cannot see. It's hard to do, but as we see them and through the Word of God, the Word of God will cause the picture which you're looking at to become more clearer. And I appreciate that because essentially we can't look at it through our eyes. We have to look at it through His. And so when we put His eyes on through the Word of God, the strenuous activity pays off because we're able to see in a different light. All right, so... 
Let me, let me give you a, a definition here, if I can. It's interesting how these definitions seem so different, but both uh, require leaving something behind. So let me share this with you, if I can, considering that of straining. The definition of straining is stretching, which is exerting, according to Webster's Dictionary, with violence. It's not happenstance. It's not an accident. It's to strain with violence. It's to, it's to exert uh, with violence and making great efforts. And then it's also filtering. Now I want you to think about that because you, it almost seems like two different definitions. To strain to do something, you're exerting violent energy. If I'm trying to pull something and it's not coming the direction that I'm pulling it and I put my body into it and I strain and my muscles get tight, I'm exerting energy, energy violently that if the rope were to break, I would fly over there because I'm exerting so much energy. And to strain to see it the way that Paul did, he had to exert some energy into looking at it through God's eyes. And there's a reason why we don't see things that way. Because we don't put forth the effort and the energy to try to look at it through God's eyes. But all if we can only see it the way God sees it. We can only understand this thing the way God understands it. Friend, we wouldn't be in the shape that we're in today. So let me, let me continue on here. Straining is stretching, exerting with violence, making great efforts and filtering. All right, so I don't know about you, and you may not drink coffee, but I don't want coffee grounds in my coffee cup. And so I put something in my coffee pot to strain uh, the water and the coffee uh, through, the, through the grounds, okay? My grounds are strained. And so straining is filtering. Filter is a strainer, a piece of cloth, paper, or other substance through which a liquid is passed for defecation. Now, defecation is the act of separating uh, purification from impurities or foreign matters. So the act of separating waste and purification from impurities are, are foreign matters. I began to think about this. When you, when you filter something, you're trying to get something for your consumption, but you're trying to keep out the things you don't want to consume. I know the old timers, and, and I've seen my wife do it. You, you go milk a cow, and uh, you want to take that milk, and you want to drink that milk, right? Now, I personally never hand milk cattle and drank the milk hand milking. You get hay and manure and everything else in there. But the old timers used to do it that way. But even though we milked into a closed in an enclosed container with more modern advancements. When we poured that milk up, my wife would take ball jars or big mason jars and she would take cheesecloth over the top of that container and rubber band it and then pour that milk into that, over that cheesecloth and that cheesecloth would strain anything that we didn't want. All right, and that's the purpose of the, of the, of the filtering system. So it's the act of separating waste, purification from impurities or foreign matters. So we understand here that we're separating things that we want uh, from the things that we don't want. What I'm afraid is happening right here is while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, sometimes we actually strain at the wrong things. 
So what do you mean? Well, if we were straining the way that God wanted us to, we'd be straining to, to make an effort to see things through his eyes. But what we actually do sometimes is we're straining sometimes to get the things that we want in this life. So what do you mean? Well, we're talking about temporal things here, right? Well, we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. We understand that, that these matters are temporal. For which cause we faint not, but the outward man perisheth, the inner man is renewed day, day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding eternal way to glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal. What is temporal? Temporal is measured or limited by time. Or by this life, or this state of things, having limited existence, opposed to eternal, pertaining to this life or world. You know why temporal is pertaining to this life or world? Because it's limited by time. And so as we consider that, uh, we understand that what we're looking at, the things which are seen, we're looking at things that are opposed to eternal. That's what temporal is. Opposition to eternal. And so I'm afraid that by focusing on the temporal things, we are not just missing the eternal, we are actually opposing them. We're, we're, you cannot, listen to me now, you cannot be in the state of visualizing and thinking on things from an eternal standpoint and a temporal standpoint at the same time. You know why? Because they're opposing one another. You're either with an eternal mindset or you're in a temporal mindset, but you're not in both. Okay? And so we're human, right? And and we, we have carnality and we live in a dynamic flesh. And I get temporal from time to time, Brother Gene. Probably more often than I care to admit. All right? But temporal is measured or limited by time, and time is relative to priority, and priority is relative to time. But priority is relative to time, but also relative to you. See, priority is what we make of time. And I'm afraid that what happens is instead of straining to see things through God's eyes, we see things through carnal eye and we allow the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life to cause us to strain in the wrong direction. And priority is, is procedure in place or rank. The fact or condition of being regarded or treated as more important. Do you know why we can understand how we see things and whether we're looking through eternal eyes or temporal eyes by the way that we prioritize our life and our faith? And, might I say, our church. People can tell if our church is on the right track priority-wise by how we prioritize our church. Alright, and so I want to say this when it comes to this church. Let me give you my heart for just a minute. I'm going to hang out right here for just a second. Uh, this church ought to be, its priority ought to be lost souls. Seeing people born again. Seeing people, and listen, I'm not trying, I've said this before, I'm not trying to proselyte people from good churches to bring in here just to say we've got more members. My goal is to get folks saved and for people to have a place to come to the house of God that can hear the word of God and to worship in spirit and in truth. 
And I, and we want to see folks saved by the marvelous grace of God, do we not? So we got to have a priority that goes in that direction. Now you do understand this morning that a house divided cannot stand, right? And you know what I find happens all across this land in churches? People let petty little things bother them, annoy them, and the things that bother them and annoy them about other people in the place where they worship are petty, trivial things that do not matter. That do not cause anyone to see Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And if what we're doing in God's house does not cause someone to see Jesus Christ and Him crucified, or causes one to want to get their heart right with God, it's petty and it's trivial and it does not matter. And if you're frustrated with someone about something in God's house that is petty, trivial, or don't matter, you are straining to see things in the wrong direction. And you're allowing it not only to have an effect on you, but to have an effect on your church. And it's taking away from being able to reach lost Souls. You know why? Because there's an alt between you and someone else over something that, guess what, didn't matter to begin with. Now let me say this. Ask me anything you want to and I'll give you an honest answer and I'll be nice about it. But at the end of the day, you know what my goal is here at this church? Preach this Bible to try to help the flock of God have what they need and to reach lost souls. And anything other than that, friend, is extracurricular. And if we can do it, praise God. And if we can't, it's all right. Because it's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. And I promise you, I'm going to be the first one to fry up a hamburger and burn a hot dog when this thing's over with. But those things like that don't matter. They just don't matter. So time is relative to priority. And priority is relative to time. But you also understand that priority is relative to me and you. And so you can do something... Knowing it isn't priority, but if you do it, it is priority to you. Think about that. There's things that we allow in our life that we know really ain't priority. We know in God's eyes it's just not priority, but we allow it to get big enough in our life that we go ahead and do it anyway, in spite of who thinks what about it, and guess what happens? It becomes priority to us. And when things that are become priority to us that are not priority to God, we, friend, are straining to get something accomplished that opposes that of eternity. And we cannot allow that to happen, okay? We've got to realign our way of thinking. And the only way to do that is to look at things through God's eyes. So when things come up that we'd like to see happen or we'd like to see done, we have to do one of two things. We have to either ignore uh, what everybody else thinks about it and God's Word thinks about it and just do what we want to do because that's what matters to us. That's what our priority is. Or we have to stop and say, Lord, what do you think about this matter? What's the Bible have to say? The Bible is the eyes that we look through. God, what does your word say about it? What does your word have to do with it? I'll say this. There's some things in the word of God that the word of God is silent on. You know, when the word of God is silent on something, we ought to be silent on it. And if it don't, if it don't come as priority in God's word, it ought not be priority in our lives. It not be priority in our church. So we got to reprioritize some things, okay? So we understand that uh, these things are temporal. I find sometimes, though, that rather than, than leaving things that are temporal alone, 
What we do when we strain towards temporal things is we become temperamental. Now think about that for just a minute. We take things that are temporal that don't amount to anything and we make them priority in our life and then we go from having a temporal mindset to being temperamental. And temperamental is relating to a person's temperament, uh, a tendency to behave, or well, listen to this, emotionally. Emotionally. We don't operate God's house based on emotion. And I'm certain, I don't know about you, but I, 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 everybody that has ever heard me preach knows where I stand on emotionalism. Emotions is part of life. We all have them, but we don't run and operate based on emotion. All right, and so related, you know what happens when somebody gets temperamental, they get frustrated and their priorities are not everyone else's priorities. They get temperamental, they get frustrated, and they get emotional. They get aggravated. They get frustrated. You know what happens when somebody in God's house gets aggravated and frustrated about something that don't matter? It causes other people to get aggravated and frustrated. Then you take your eyes off of the cause of Christ and your the house of God becomes about things that are trivial that don't matter for it. So we have a tendency to behave emotionally. And temperament is a person's, listen to this, friend, nature. Temperamental is related to a person's temperament, but temperament is a person's nature, especially as it affects their behavior. You know what mankind is in his natural state? A self-centered sinner. And you know what happens when we get temporal? When we start focusing on things and our priority becomes things that are temporal and we strain that direction, we become temperamental. And you know what happens when we become temperamental? Our temperament shows, and it shows what? Our nature. And our nature is rotten, and our nature is filthy, and our nature is what was sending us to hell. You know what we don't need in God's house? Is emotionalism running around here, and everybody feeling and acting emotional on their natural instincts and natural carnal ways of thinking. But I want to say this, and then I'll be done this morning, Okay. I know we're not shouting it out this morning. I didn't much figure we would, but that's just the way that the Lord laid it on my heart. If you don't believe that, then go fuss with Brother Shane, okay? He kicked it off this morning. But I want to say this, though. Considering time and considering things that are temporal and considering things and people that are temperamental, we consider time as if we've got plenty of it. And as I stated earlier, the older we get, we realize we really don't have as much time as we think. But even, Brother, Brother Gene, even... Even people your age and, and older still kind of view things like they've got tomorrow to live. Some people will lay their head down in bed at night and they expect to do something the next day. Well, Shane, do you, do you ever prepare for tomorrow's work day today? You go down to Lowe's, you get your lumber, you're preparing for tomorrow's work. That's our mindset. We naturally think we've got tomorrow. And we treat it like we've got tomorrow. Even people that are terminal, they know that there's a day out there uh, in, in front of them that they will die, but they still treat it like they've got tomorrow. People that need to get saved with the grace of God, they don't get saved today because their pride interferes and they won't, they won't come and get saved because they think they'll get saved the more than they get saved. We don't always have time. But I want to say this. Uh, we, we, 
we look at things as if we've got tomorrow, but I want us to look at things as if we've got only today to live. Now I want you to think about this for just a minute, and then, then I'll, I'll be done. What would you do differently with your day today if today you were guaranteed that this was your last day to live? Would you live it differently than you would knowing that you had tomorrow to live. And I'm afraid, I'm not afraid, I know, I know that if every one of us in the sound of my voice knew that today was their last day, you would alter the way that we live the rest of our day. And you know what would essentially happen would be that our priorities would change today. And essentially what that tells me is, is our priorities today are wrong. And what we need to do, and I understand all of us have things we have to do. I'm going to have to go down to work in a little while. But what I'm saying is how we live the rest of our day would shape itself differently based on our time factor. And priority in our lives is relative and for some reason, people, for people that are here temporary, we sure treat things like we're here for eternity. And then our surprise when something comes up that causes our, our, our misunderstanding of our eternal life on this earth to not be so. We seem shocked by it. Or heartbroken by it. Or as if God's not fair when we knew all along that this thing's temporary. But Paul says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, work with us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. There's something that we can do that can have a heavier payday and is a weightier matter than this light affliction that we have before a moment. Problem is, we're looking at things wrong. But I fear that because we view and we strain the wrong direction on temporal matters, and we don't give enough thought to eternal matters, that what we really have is carnal homes and carnal churches, carnal deacons, carnal lay members, carnal uh, preachers, carnal, 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 because we view things from a temporal standpoint. But I want to say this. We don't have to live defeated lives. We can live today like it's our last day. You know what we ought to do? Listen to me now. We ought to, we ought to, we ought to play that piano this weekend. Like it's our last time to sing. We ought to sing songs, brother. Shane, like it's our last time to sing. And we ought to preach like it's our last time to preach. Then we ought to listen like it's our last time to listen. Then we ought to live like it's our last day to live. And if you get up in the morning and you live your life like it's your last day, we get a whole lot more done for the cause of Christ. And I will say this, because we have that mindset and our eyes are straining to see things eternally, we'd have a more victorious day than the day before. I'm persuaded we could have a more victorious last day than we're having eternal lives. We act like we've got day after day after day to live and we live the theme lives. You know why? Because we're looking at things temporal and carnal and endemic. But if we looked at things through his eyes, we could live a more victorious life. So let me say this. 
we're, we're, we're looking at things that are temporal and we're straining at them. It's causing us to become temperamental. But I want you to know that you can live a triumphant life. And a triumphant life, triumphant is this. It's more than just victory. You hear a lot about the Christian life and the victorious Christian life and how people can have victory. But triumphant is celebrating victory. And victory is something, friend, that we can celebrate today. Now, sometimes if we're not careful, we can we can teach Sunday school. And I'm just using this for an example because we're in church and church is where I'm at right now. We can teach Sunday school with a small number and teach differently than it would be on a number. And there's times that we can preach and we can preach to 14 or 15 and preach differently than we want to preach to 150. And there's times where the, the marvelous be honest, we can get up and sing. And sing like there's just 10 or 15. And there's not enough to make the choir. And all the honesty, it's not about the people. It's about what we're singing about. And who we're singing for. And it's never going to be about the people as much as it is about God. That's why I, 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 I had somebody say to me when we were live streaming this, if you preach like you got a house full. I preached on the radio a long time before we preached uh, to the pastor friend. I preached to a microphone or a recorder. I didn't preach to people. I just try to preach. And we got to preach and sing and teach and live our life for the glory and for the honor of God. And it's a victorious life. So victory is something to celebrate. Do you know why people don't celebrate? You don't celebrate what you take for granted. And I'm afraid what we have, with a victory that we have today, we don't celebrate it because we take it for granted. We don't consider it. We don't think about it. I don't wake up every morning thanking God for my salvation like I should. I don't think, get up every morning and thank God that I've escaped the charred balls of the damned. I've escaped them. So we go on. It's kind of like having a bill that you need to pay and you just don't know how you're going to make it. You beg, you plead, you talk to God. Guess what? You make that bill. And you know what you do? You go on and forget about it. As, as much as it took you begging God, suddenly the bill's paid and you walk off and forget about it. You take it for granted. So let me let me say this. Victory is something that to celebrate and one doesn't celebrate what they take for granted. And we lose sight, friend, as God's people. It's kind of like, let me give you this example. I'll, I'll be finished. It's kind of like the 4th of July or Christmas or Thanksgiving or Easter. You know, you can go down here, down at Kingston. We, we used to live south of Kingston. And south of Kingston, everybody comes up into town and they have a huge barge out on the river. And they set off fireworks for the gene for probably 30 or 45 minutes. It's a big hoopla. Everybody in the county and surrounding counties come. You can't find a place to park. Boats are all over uh, the river. And you know what they're doing? They're celebrating the 4th of July. Everybody's cooking a hot dog, a hamburger. There's no, you can't find no chips or hot dogs and hamburgers in the stores. You know why? They're going to celebrate the 4th of July. You take the average individual, Brother Shane, ask them what the 4th of July is all about, and they can't tell you. Well, they're celebrating, but they don't know what they're celebrating. They don't understand, friend, that we're commemorating the Declaration of Independence of the United States. 
They don't know what it's about. All they know is it's about fireworks. You know what's happening in churches today? They don't know what they're celebrating. In a lot of places, it's just about the fireworks. There's a lot of kids today sitting in independent fundamental Baptist churches. Folks are swinging from the chandeliers. They're running the aisles. And all they know is they're celebrating the fireworks. They don't know what they're celebrating. I want people to know what we're celebrating here. You can have victory. You can be triumphant, friend. You don't have to be temperamental. You don't have to have your eyes set on temporal things. You can be triumphant. You know, most people don't even understand when they celebrate Christmas, what the holiday is commemorating at Christmas. If we understand it being the birth of Christ with the people, it's about Christmas presents, Christmas trees, and lights. And I've got a Christmas tree. Don't I'm not jumping on you rather a Christmas tree. But I'm saying I want my kids to know it's about the birth of Christ. I want my kids to know that Easter is about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, not about some bunny hopping up down a bunny tree. I ain't never figured out how a bunny laid eggs anyway. We can be triumphant. But we will not be triumphant as long as we're straining at things that are temporal. And I want you to know there's a lot of things today that people are upset about. There's a lot of trouble in churches today that people are upset about. And you know what? It's because they're straining at things that are temporal. And you know what? It takes effort to strain. And there's a lot of people putting a lot of effort into straining against things that don't matter. I wish we'd channel that straining activity towards things that are coming. If we do that, friend, we can have a triumphant, victorious life. Let's all stand our feet. As the pianist comes, I won't ever head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around this morning. I want you to ask yourself this question. Are you living your life like it's your last day? Or are you living your life like you've got every day to live in front of you? If it was your last day, would you live differently today than you would if you knew that tomorrow was coming? Are you straining at things that are temporal instead of things that are eternal? I want us to know something, friend. It is our, our, our light affliction is but for a moment. And it worketh for us far more than exceeding eternal weight of glory. And today you can have a triumphant, victorious life. You can celebrate victory today if you just would. If you just realign your way of thinking. First John 5 and 4 says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? John 16 and 33 says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. 1 John 2 and 15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Any man love the world, love the Father is not in him. I like what Ephesians says in chapter 2. It says, And you, you have he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince, the power of the air. 
the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Among whom also we all had our conversation in time past, lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, and of the mind we were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. I'm not wanting to walk according to the course of this world anymore. I serve one that's overcome the world, and I've overcome the world through him because I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. But we need to be triumphant today. 1 Corinthians 15 and 57 says, But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God for the victory, but we need to celebrate the victory. We'll never celebrate the victory till we let go of the temperamental things of this life. If we'll quit being temperamental when we quit worrying about temporal things that don't matter. And we'll start straining to see things that are eternal through God's eyes. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. We give you all glory and honor. We thank you for the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I ask that you'd help us, Lord, as we consider our afflictions, that we look at them as light afflictions which are but for a moment. And Lord, you to help us not to see things from a temporal standpoint, but from an eternal standpoint. Lord, we know to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And Lord, we look forward to the day where we'll be in eternity with you. In this robe of flesh, we'll drop and rise to seize the everlasting prize. We thank you, Lord. Help us while we're here to accomplish something. To do something for the cause of Christ. Let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. Not that they may see our good works and glorify us. Not that they would see our good works and see us. But they would see the Lord Jesus Christ and how we live our life. And that we live our life for you in spite of our affliction which is but for a moment. We love you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Alright, I appreciate your